Hello, I'm Net88. Welcome to my podcast where I chat to geocachers to learn more about this amazing game. This Sunday, the 11th of October, is Earthcache Day, and if you find and log any Earthcache this weekend, you will earn the International Earthcache Day souvenir. Because Earthcaches aren't your traditional style of geocache, I decided to have a chat with someone who knows a bit more about them, Jeff from Sefangera. Hello, Jeff. Thanks for coming on my podcast to talk about Earthcaches. Thanks for inviting me to have a chat. No worries. So before we launch into Earthcaches, when did you start geocaching and what got you into it? actually started back in June of 2013 and I kind of stumbled across uh, geocaching. It wasn't something that I was actively looking for. I was actually planning a holiday to New Zealand at the time. And as people who know me know, I'm a bit of an anal sort of planner when it comes to holidays. And yes, that does include spreadsheets. Mm-hmm. And I was researching a national park that I was potentially looking at going to. On the website, it had a list of activities and one of those activities was geocaching. Now, I'd never heard of geocaching before, so a bit of Googling later, and I ended up on the geocaching website. And the map on the website showed that there was a geocache only a couple of hundred metres down the road from home. So I thought, let's go and have a look, and uh, found my first geocache. So 8,000 geocaches later, here we are, having a chat. I don't think I've ever heard of a similar story. Normally you hear people say, I heard it from a friend, or I found it on a a mummy blog or whatever. I've never heard someone find it from planning a holiday. That's fascinating. So, and funnily enough, now most holidays I go on, I go geocaching. So it's, yeah, come around full circle, really. Yeah, definitely. Do you have a part of geocaching that you've enjoyed the most? I guess the most enjoyable part of it is having found some new friends that I get to go on adventures with most weekends. Before I found those friends, I used to go out geocaching by myself, but never used to do anything particularly adventurous. It was more your urban hides, maybe in a you know, bit of bushland or something like that. But since meeting up with some friends, we now go climbing mountains, climbing trees, all those sorts of exciting things that I never sort of was confident enough to do on my own. So it's been great to be able to extend myself to, to something outside of my normal range. Yeah, that someone else pushing you out of your comfort zone. That's right, and someone there to call emergency services if something goes wrong. <laughs> yes, touch wood. Uh, we don't need to do that too often. You mentioned that you're a fan of planning and spreadsheets, and I'm I'm quite a fan of statistics. And I was looking at statistics around Earthcaches, and out of all of the Queensland geocaches, you found the most Earthcaches out of all of us, and you're the second highest finder in Australia which seems quite a considerable feat. So what is an earth cache, just to start us off? So unlike a normal traditional type cache, an earth cache doesn't actually have a container that you're actually looking for at GZ. Instead, you're visiting a location. Hopefully the CO's teaching you something about the earth, about a particular feature at that location. And instead of signing a logbook, you complete a logging task That might be answering some questions or interpreting the knowledge that you've received from the cache page and applying it to a particular feature at that location. So what makes Earth Caches so enjoyable to you? Obviously, you love this type. What is it about them? To begin with, it was just another cache that I used to um, visit. I was travelling. They were reasonably convenient because you didn't actually have to go hunting. You could usually answer questions reasonably quickly but as I've done more and more of them I've gained an appreciation of just how spectacular 
the processes that have formed the earth are. So, you know, you can look at a mountain range and just say, yes, well, that's that's a mountain or a valley, that's a valley. But by doing caches, you can actually gain an insight into, you know, the time, the processes that have actually formed those features rather than just looking at them and, and seeing them there. It's, you know, I'd love to have a camera that could go back in time over a million years and show the time lapse of of how these things have happened because you know you just don't comprehend what's been involved in actually getting that feature to to be where it is today whether it's millions of years of erosion or volcanoes or or those sorts of things it's just often you just don't take any notice of a particular feature but once you appreciate how it got there it's actually quite amazing yeah it's that kind of there is something bigger than you and Earth caches really prove that. Absolutely. And, you know, it's not just a couple of thousand years. It could be millions of years that it's taken to get that feature in that particular situation that it is now. Yeah, definitely. In your opinion, what makes a great earth cache? The same principles as a normal traditional cache should apply when you're thinking of placing an earth cache. It's really why you're bringing this person to this location. Is it something that's beautiful here is it an unusual or unexpected or a hidden feature that's here that you would otherwise not notice just because there's a rock at that location doesn't mean it needs an earth cache there should be something that you're bringing this person here to see that's out of the ordinary and what about things that should be avoided when thinking about hiding an earth cache logging tasks that are too difficult is usually the biggest thing that puts people off doing earth caches. The CEO should provide sufficient information on the cache page for someone to be able to apply that information to the location rather than having to go away and do their own PhD research on the internet or something to apply it to that location. The other types of questions are what type of rock is this without giving any indication of you know what's actually there. The other thing you should consider if you're thinking of placing an earth cache is is there already a cache here? If there is, if you add an earth cache here, is it actually adding something to the geocache's experience by attending this location? If it's not actually adding anything, then you know there's no reason to place a cache here. I had a similar experience where I popped a geocache at this really great rock valley thing and another CO asked me if he could put an earth cache there. And I thought, yeah, great, that'd definitely bring more people to my geocache as well and he was all like he asked for permission first it was great he popped his out there and people started finding his and not mine because mine was a higher terrain difficulty and they needed to climb down the cliff a little bit so yeah I definitely agree that by popping a geocache on top of a pre-existing area we're not always bringing people to other geocaches but we're kind of taking away from those pre-existing geocaches yeah and, and going back to what I said before is the sense of discovery if people just doing the normal geocache were not noticing that feature at all then absolutely put put an earth cache there because it's something that should be brought to their attention but not putting it there just for the sake of it yeah i really like that kind of not make the questions too hard either like i'm not a geologist you know the cache page doesn't have to be technical jargon it should be simple easy to understand terms if people want that detail they can go away and research it themselves but it's got to be for in layman's terms so that people can understand it and apply it yeah i definitely agree with that what is the most memorable earth case you found that's actually quite easy it was a earth case uh, I found in New Zealand with a group of other caches. 
it was actually a five-day hike to uh, to get in and out. So it was a three-day hike in and a two-day hike out, and it was called the Five Passes Walk. So we actually caught a uh, jet boat up the river to start the walk. It was a, a walk in on the first day. We actually lost the track to start with, so we didn't get off to a particularly good start. Uh, we found the track again, but by that time it had started to rain and we were looking for, for our campsite in the rain and we were glad when we finally finally got there. But that was only the first day. The second day was a, a steep walk up a, up a hill in freezing cold, wet boots, not the most exciting of, of situations to be in. No. But once we got to the top, the wind died down, the weather cleared, and for the rest of the walk, it was pretty much a perfect weather to be hiking in. So it was one of the most challenging caches I can say I've ever ever done. So Yeah, so definitely the most memorable. Do you have a most enjoyable? <laughs> <laughs> I suppose not necessarily enjoyable as such, but other ones that I've, I've liked doing because of the interesting things that I've found along the way. One was in Sydney, at this Christmas time, it was uh, just south of Sydney and it was a walk down underneath a, a road bridge and there was actually a layer of coal on the on the waterfront that otherwise, if you had a driven past without the earth case, you would never have known that was there. And it was just that, un- again, that unusual, unexpected location that you get brought to by the earth cache that you wouldn't otherwise never have noticed. Yeah, lovely. Do you have your earth cache for earth cache weekend planned? I don't actually have my Earth Cache Day cache planned yet, but uh, I guess one cache I should probably look at is Oxley Mining Earth Cache. I actually got first to find, uh, won that as a prize at an event many, many years ago, and I actually visited the location, had the little bag of sand sitting on my desk for at least five years and have just never got around to logging it, so I should really get back to uh, visit it again and finally log the cache. Yeah, yeah, probably not a first to find anymore. No, definitely not. <laughs> Do you have any advice for new geocachers who are just starting out? The very first thing I would say is to go to the geocaching.com website and actually read the geocaching guidelines. There's so much helpful information there that it helps answer a lot of questions that a new cacher might have. If you're talking earth caches, then don't be scared of them. Even though they ask questions, most times you don't have to provide the right answer or the best answer. It's have a go, you know, try and apply what you see, send off your answers. In, in most cases, the CO will let you log it. If you're completely wrong, they'll give you a, a helping hand, but most COs are, are happy for you to... You know, show that you've been there, seeing what they wanted you to see and log the cache. So don't be afraid. I think that's some great advice. I know that when I started, Earth Caches seemed quite daunting because I am not a very scientific person. So thanks so much for that advice. Not a problem. Thanks so much for sitting down with us today, Jeff. I hope that everyone will be able to grab a good Earth Cache for this Earth Cache weekend. I can't wait to see what you choose. Thanks for having me. If you would like to be a guest on an episode or have a topic you would like me to cover, you can message me through my geocaching profile. The link is in the episode notes. Happy geocaching!